Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Doing all right? Awesome. It's good to be here this morning. I'm excited. It's a new year, right? Wow. 2016 is already upon us. New year, new you. But if you're anything like me, although it's a new year, people place these, I guess, expectations on you. It's like you have to have all these New Year's resolutions already sewn up, all these dreams, desires, passions written down, ready. It was 11.59 on the last day of 2015, and I'm eagerly waiting and anticipating the new year ahead. 10, 9, 8. I'm getting excited. I'm pumped. In a room full of Northsiders. It was awesome. Seven, six, five. And as the clock's ticking down to the new year that waits, I'm thinking about 2016 and all that it might bring. But for me, I felt a bit uneasy. I just felt a bit burdened by the fact that each year rolls around and it's got to be a new me. There's got to be something different. I've got to have these goals, these dreams, these desires. So often I move into a new year and I let the past slip by. I find it so easy just to, to forget, to just slip it under the rug and to not actually think and resonate on the year that's been. So as I was reflecting on the year and what God's been doing in and through me, I felt this morning to share about something He's been teaching me and something I hope that this year I can do a whole lot better at. See, for me, I find it so easy to believe the lies the world tells me. And I often forget to believe the truth, the truth that is God's word. And the truth often is buried out by the lies. It's often blocked out by the lies. So this morning, I want to share about that specifically. So for those who don't know me, I'm Jesse. I grew up in sunny Tweed Heads with two younger brothers. I grew up in a family that didn't know Jesus, but they were great. My parents loved me. They brought me up really well. I had good morals and values, good ethics, but I constantly wanted to rebel. Something within me just wasn't right. I felt restless, a little bit anxious growing up. I was almost like a chameleon. Everywhere I'd go, I would change shape and identity. I wanted to fit in. I wanted those around me to like me. I wanted to feel loved and accepted. I wanted my identity to be in what other people thought about me. See, all throughout my teenage years, I struggled to fit in. I just couldn't do it. I just had to change. I was constantly living a lie. I was believing all the lies that the world told me and kept selling me. And I continued to place my identity in what other people thought about me. I continued to believe those lies that the world told me. So in reflecting on this last year, I was really challenged by the fact that still, too often, I believe those lies. Still five years on, I believe for five years, I still too often just get blocked out by the lies that the world tells me. So this morning I want to share about that. And before I do so, why don't I pray? Father God, we just invite you here this morning. We just ask you to have your way. Lord Jesus, you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. We just pray this morning, Father, that you would speak to us mightily. Lord Jesus, that you would just share through me. You would speak into the hearts and the minds of each person in this place. Holy Spirit, reign. We ask you to have your way. 
Lord Jesus. In your mighty name, amen. See, lately I've been challenged by the simplicity of one of Jesus' parables. I've read it time after time. I've shared about it at youth group, talked about it with friends, probably done countless Bible studies about it. But I've got so swept up in the parable that I've missed the simplicity of it. I've missed the simple truth that was hidden there all along. It was like the real, the deeper truth of the message had just been hidden from plain eyes. So if you have a Bible with me, please turn to Matthew 7, 24 to 29. And if you have your iPhone, please chuck it on flight mode. That would be great. (laughs) So Matthew 7, verse 24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. See, Luke's gospel gives us another perspective on this parable, and I've missed it for so long. I'd read, Luke's, um, I'd read the parable in Luke before, and I'd read it numerous times in Matthew, but I just flicked over the first few verses of Luke 6.46, which is the exact same parable. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to jump there, Luke 6.46. But before I read this, I just want to warn you that this hurts. The truth hurts. And as I was reading this and reflecting on it, it hurt. It cut me deeply. And I was really challenged by the word. See, Luke 46 to 47 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Jesse, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? If only you put my words into practice, your life would be so much more abundant. Son, daughter, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? If you came to me and heard my words and started living them out, your life would be completely different, completely changed. See, so often we act as if the Bible is truth. We act as if it's real to us, but we just read it. We just read it and we believe these words as truth, but we take the words as facts, and unfortunately they don't touch our heart. They just go straight to our head. For example, who here knows that God loves them? Duh, right? God loves you. Yeah, everyone knows that God loves you. But you see, more often than not, we may know that God loves us, but do we really know deep down within our hearts the Father's love? If someone were to come up up to you, you would say, yeah, God loves me. But when you're faced with a crisis, when the winds of the world are beating against you, when the pains of life are coming, do we really deep down know the Father's love? And do we rest on Him as our sure foundation? Too often, I don't. I say to people, my identity is in Jesus. My identity is in Christ. I'm his beloved. 
See, I'm his masterpiece. He calls me by name. I'm his son. But things happen in my life that don't often reveal that. Trials come, temptations, and I keep living the same way. So it proves that I really don't know this truth deep within my heart. I really don't always know the Father's love. You see, growing up, I really wrestled with my identity at school. I really wrestled and struggled through who I was. I remember going to school and being like, man, if I wear these billabong shorts, the girls will think I'm hot. (laughs) Or if I have these awesome clothes, all the boys will think I'm cool. And my identity was just caught up in the exterior. You see, I was fed lies from the world like, money will make you happy. Success, it'll bring you happiness. You just need good-looking girls, fast cars, and a few houses. You'll be fine. That will make you happy. But you see, these lies started to perpetuate and build and build and build. It became lie after lie. Jesse, you're not beautiful. Lie. You're not cool. Lie. You're not special. Lie. You don't have any friends. Lie. You're ugly. Lie. Nobody likes you. Lie. See, for some of us, that lie might have actually been planted in us when we were young. Your parents might have told you, son, you're not good enough. Daughter, you're stupid. You're silly. God hates you. I hate you. Lie, 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 lie. See, those are all lies the world throws at us. And we absorb in. We take them on as facts and we take them on as truth. And all day long, we are being told lie after lie by the world around us. You see, there's a spiritual battle taking place. John 8 tells us that the enemy, Satan, is the father of lies. And he's trying to take you out. He's trying to distract you, to feed you these lies, and to get you ignoring the truth, to discourage you, and to tread on you. And when you don't know what to do, that's when he has you. You're vulnerable. But only God can give us truth. Only God can reveal to us the truth. Yet too often, we ignore the truth. We don't read the Word. We don't let the truth of God's Word impart into our hearts. We don't let it rest there, dwell deep within us. Not just in our brain or our intellect, but deep within our hearts. We don't let the Word of God, God's truth, touch our spirit. See, God wants the Word to be planted so deep within us. He wants it to hook to our hearts, so deep that it takes root like a plant that will one day flourish, as someone mentions. So deep that it's just unshakable, that it's immovable, that it's the foundation of our lives, like the parable spoke about. God's Word needs to be our sure foundation. In a very inconsistent world, Jesus has to be the consistency. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Forever. His word never changes. And friend, his love for you will always remain. It won't change. See, I want to tell you a story. A story of a woman who I think is a superhero. This woman is great. You see, this woman to me is a role model. Her name is Lynn. And over the past few weeks and months, over the past year, she's had a pretty torrid time. 
See, things have come her way. The winds of the life, the pain, the sorrows have come upon her. And she said to deal with all this stuff. See, firstly, a few months ago, um, her and her son were having a conversation. And he's like, Mom, I don't feel so good. Oh, yeah, what, what's wrong? I've got these like massive migraines. I feel really sore. I feel nauseous all the time. When I drive, I black out. Mom's like, what, what, what's going on? Man, we've got to call the hospital. And Jack's like, well, you know, like a few weeks ago, I was at a party and I got king hit. Mom's like, what? You got king hit? Yeah, I got king hit. And Lynn's just there, scared out of her mind. So she calls the doctor and they race down the hospital and they do some checks and they're like, wow, you, you, there's something wrong here. And they go to a specialist and the specialist finds out that Jack has a tumour in his brain and he needs to be operated on immediately. And Lynn's worried and she's anxious and she doesn't know what to do. And then she goes to another specialist and they're like, it's okay. You have a few weeks. It's slow growing. It'll be all right. So that happens and that's in the back of her mind and all throughout that week, it's a pretty full-on week at home. And by the end of the week, she gets a knock on the door and she opens the door and it's the police. And she's like, hi, can I help you? Yeah, just wondering if, if Billy's there. See, Billy was her other son and little did she know that the police were turning up on her doorstep and actually asking if they could search the house. And she was pretty confused by this, never had police turn up at her doorstep before, thought Billy was a squeaky, king, um, squeaky clean kid. But unfortunately, the police were looking for drugs. So he'd been at a, a festival and someone had been caught with something and that they had presumed that he was the dealer. So that's going on and, and she's like, man, I don't know how to deal with this. I've got my son and now my other son. And then she's meant to go on a cruise, but it gets delayed for two weeks of the weather. So she goes on this cruise and it's a bit of an awkward time with work. She's on the cruise and she turns to, up to New Zealand. And when she's in New Zealand, she's just at the port and they're about to head off back to Australia. And she's at the port and she gets a phone call from her sister. Hey, Janice, how are you doing? It's not good. Your mother has just passed away. We need you to fly home really quickly. The funeral's going to be in two or three days. So Lynn's about to get on this boat and she's like, what do I do? What am I going to do? You know, do I stay on this boat or do I quickly fly home and can I even get a flight? So she decides to get on the boat and thankfully the funeral takes place when she gets back. But see, the storms of life came upon Lynn so severely. Her two sons, her mother, the pain, the torrid that life just throws at you. It was so full on. You see, for me, this story is really quite personal. This story really hits me deep within my heart. I sat down next to Lynn and heard her share, but didn't see a woman that was scared or vulnerable by what life had thrown at her. Saw a woman that was steadfast and strong in the Lord. And I was really challenged by this. One of the reasons I was really challenged by this is because these circumstances also happened to me. So the woman in the story, Lynn, is my mum. And Gran had just passed away. My brother Jack had been very sick. And Billy, the police had turned up on the doorstep. And see, all this is going on in my life and I'm just feeling like I'm stretched in all different ways and I don't know how to deal with this. And I see my mum and my dad sitting next to her. And we're chatting and discussing after these events had taken place. And she's doing okay. She's doing more than okay. See, her faith was in Jesus. She'd placed her life 
in Christ and He was a sure foundation. But five or so years before that, it would have been a completely different lens. See, one day I um, chat, was chatting to my mum about Jesus because I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I only just been saved and she decided to check it out. And after a few weeks of checking it out, she became a believer. And the only reason that she wasn't in pieces on the floor, that she wasn't broken like a vase, because her life and her faith and her trust was in Jesus. He was a, her, her immovable foundation. She was impacted by the truth of this guy. The truth had set her free, free from the storms of life, from the pains. See, her and my dad's marriage, it was a bit of a mess. It was breaking down. But when Jesus came into their lives, things started to change. Life started to emerge. The truth of God's word started to set them free. And they were free indeed. You see, the storms of life come and go. But thankfully, the word of God remains forever. God wants us to plant this word so deep within our hearts that it's immovable, unshakable, just like it was for Lynn. The parable in Matthew and Luke shows us how the word of God can hook into our life. The sure foundation, something immovable, that is Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone of our lives. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. You see, the true essence of this parable isn't actually about houses at all, but it's about our lives. The unwise man put his trust in the lies of the world. He put his trust in those lies and they were like sand. And when the storms of life came, his house blew away. He was too busy to apply the word of God to his life. He was too busy to build his life on the truth. See, seeing my mother actually live out Christianity, actually live out this truth, has completely changed me. So often I can be a hypocrite. And for the last few months, I've really been wrestling with these pains, these trials, these temptations. But seeing my mum, who was impacted the most heavily throughout this, has rattled me. Seeing her unmoved has really just touched me deep within my spirit. It's been a powerful life lesson for me. I've been challenged to stop being so hypocritical. Just as the passage was saying before, why do you call me Lord, Lord, Jesse, and not do the things which I say? I need to come to him and do the things in his word, to read the word and let it touch me deep within my spirit. Read the truth and respond with my heart. See, for me, if the truth can sink so deeply into my heart, it can change and transform me from the inside out. If I really believe that Jesus' bold statement is true, that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life, then I must change. Do we actually believe that the word of God is truth? Do you actually believe it's truth? That means every word in the Bible is truth. Truth. If so, are we actually living like that's the case? Do we live like our life depends on that truth? If so, why not? Why are we playing it safe? Why are we all too easily, year upon year, getting swept up on these lies of the world? Getting swept up in the lies of the world is trying to sell us, trying to tell us 
rather than going straight to the source, our sustainer, Jesus Christ, rather than going to his word and meditating on it. So what do you believe right now, this very second? I want you to ponder on what it is you actually believe. Is it going to be the lies of the world or the everlasting truth of the word of God? Don't get me wrong. It's hard when all your friends around you are so different. You know, you might have been in one of these conversations before. You're with your uni mates. You're sitting around the Christmas table. You're at work having a chat with your friends. And someone starts talking about sex. The conversation goes on and on. And then one of them finds out, wait, what? You didn't have sex before you were married? And they start mocking you. They start making fun of you. See, they can't understand why you would live life so differently, why you would live a different way of life. You waited till you were married. They just don't understand. They can't comprehend the truth. They live life from a worldly perspective. They have absolutely no idea why on earth you would live according to what the Word of God says. It's too old-fashioned. It's not modern enough. It doesn't fit my lifestyle. But Jesus says so truly in John 8, 31 to 32, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If we abide in his word, we are his disciples indeed. And we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Some of us need to commit this year ahead to just abiding in him, resting in him, reflecting upon him, Choosing to remain in his word, having him as our rock and sure foundation, as our life source this year. We need to start letting that truth resonate so deeply within us, not just touching our heads or our intellects, but our heart, our spirit. See, Jesus will set you free. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. When you read the word, which is truth, and you encounter the living God in His Word, you will be led by the Spirit into all truth. God wants to lead you into all truth by the power of His Spirit. So this year, 2016, if you believe that God's Word is full of truth, if you believe that it is true, it is your sure foundation, how can you today start abiding in it? What would it look like for you to remain in His Word and for you to live out of the certainty that the Word of God gives you. What might that look like? Rather than believing all the lies the world's trying to sell you, rather than believing lie after lie after lie, why not go directly to the source? Why not sit in His Word? Why not make Jesus your rock, your foundation, His Word, your true source? Maybe this week, Ask God, what are those lies? What are those lies I keep coming back to? What are those lies I believe are truth? Lord, can you reveal those to me? Holy Spirit, help me to conquer those lies with truth. Help me to conquer those lies with the truth of your word. Help me this week, Lord, reveal those lies to me. You see, for me, this year in 2016, I want to live with the power of the truth. I don't want to be caught up and entangled by the bondage of the lies the world tries to sell me. Time after time, lie after lie, 
too often in the past, I go back to those lies and I live in it. So I encourage you, get into the Word. Combat those lies with the Word. Make the Word the truth for you. This year, 2016, is going to be the year of the truth for me. I hope it is too for you. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. You give us life. Your word gives us life. I thank you, Father God, that you want to set us free. Lord, I pray that we would make you our sure foundation. We would sit and rest in your word. Lord, we get sustenance from you. Lord, I just pray that this year we would choose to go to you and not to the lies the world sells us. Lord God, we will just abide in you, rest in you, reflect upon you and what you're up to in our lives. Father, we thank you that you're a good, good God. We pray whatever we're struggling with, whatever wins the world is throwing at us, whatever the waves are, whatever the pains, the trial of life, Lord, we pray that we'll be able to take those to you and we'll remain steadfast in you as our strength and sustainer, our word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.